everybody and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Marketing. Um, really excited to have Sarah Clark with us today. Um, she's a strategy director at UM. We're going to be talking about the psychology of advertising. Psychology is such an exciting area uh, in marketing. It, it, it really feeds its way into, into pretty much everything we do. Um, many of us are not psychologists, although I think, Sarah, you sort of are, so we'll come back to that point. Uh, but most of us in marketing are not psychologists, but it's certainly really helpful to have some kind of grip on it, um, especially when you're trying to convince someone to do something you, like you are in an advertising journey. So so that's what we're going to explore today, the psychology of advertising and how we make sure that we, uh, what we do makes sense and really resonates with people. So hi, Sarah, how are you doing? Hi, yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all right, all right. It's Friday afternoon. It is I would say it's warm, which is nice, but it's not warm. It's crazy hot, right? So, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but we're surviving it. I've got my little fan buzzing away here, so we're uh, we're getting through it. Yeah. You um, you got any plans for the weekend? Um, I'm going to see some family over the weekend because it's Father's Day. Um, so yeah, taking yeah. advantage of that. Yeah, nice. That'd be good. We'll try and stay in the shade. It's going to be a lot of burnt <laughs> people by Sunday, I think, over here. But, uh, <laughs> Britishness, get out in the sun, burn yourself, regret it for two weeks. Um, anyway, let's talk about something people might actually want to listen to, shall we? Um, so, <laughs> psychology of, of advertising. So, you know, say psychology is hugely important. I think one thing with advertising is you know, we really need to understand um, understand what someone's motivations are, right? I think in marketing, sometimes that can be forget forgotten. Sometimes we can think a little bit about. Uh, what it is we want to say and perhaps think about what it is that's really motivating people. Um, I know you've got a lot of thoughts on this, so go for it. Tell me everything about the psychology of uh, understanding people's motivations. Educate me. <laughs> so huge topic, um, but ultimately what it comes down to and what is kind of the crux of, of the thing that I'm so passionate about is the fact that it's always humans at the end of it. So no matter what we're doing, whether it's B2C, B2B, e-commerce, lead gen, online, offline, whatever it is, we're essentially trying to open up a conversation with someone. So we're trying to get them to engage, to learn more, um, to take an action at the end of it. And at the end, at the other side of all of that is a human, someone who is just sat there, going about their day, they might be doing research, they might be trying to find a product or service, they might have no idea that they want a product or service. But actually, all we're trying to do is make a connection with that with that person, at kind of a really basic human level, if you think about kind of how you relate to anything, how you build relationships, all of that sort of stuff, it's exactly the same thing. Um, and you want to bring that in to your marketing efforts um, to make sure that you're kind of taking advantage of the opportunity the opportunity that you have of being in front of someone um, as opposed to just talking at them within that. Good, 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 good. And um, I think I've heard you mention um, sort of four buckets that people fall into, right? Um, I'd love you to explain that to me because that's something I think we could have a nice little, little debate about. Yeah, of course. So there's a few different audience buckets that I tend to talk about and it does vary. So if you're looking specifically at kind of recession and cost of living, there's a slightly different um, audience model that I tend to use from from that perspective. But if we're looking kind of really broadly um, at kind of consumer motivations and and why people do the things that they do, I've kind of grouped them into these kind of four key buckets. So we've got competitive 
to begin with. So people who are really focused on that kind of competitive advantage, they don't really want to waste any time in making a decision and they want to be convinced that their problem can be solved kind of really quickly. And they'll typically make quite logical, but also very fast decisions based on what they're looking for. Then you've got spontaneous. So these people are essentially just looking for confirmation to get what they need as quickly as possible. They're not too concerned with kind of details, hard facts. So if it was a car purchase, for example, they wouldn't be majorly concerned with, with the model or the engine size or anything like that. Um, and all it takes usually in this bucket is to just like a brand or like a product to convert. And they typically make quite emotional decisions by making that connection with a brand or a product, but also quite fast decisions. So we've got competitive and spontaneous, which make those kind of relatively fast decisions. But then we've got those people who make decisions a little bit more slowly and they take a little bit more time and it's a bit more considered in what they're doing. And so there's another two audiences here. So the first we have is methodical. Um, so they kind of enjoy the details and the fine print. They want to know kind of the process, the evidence, the, the documentation of truth behind that. So they'll be really concerned about the specific details and they'll kind of read through everything that they can before making that decision. So they'll be very logical in their approach and how they go through it, but they'll also make quite a slow and kind of longer uh, decision. And then we've got humanists at the end. So as it sounds, these people are kind of very people-centered. They're typically empaths who value and really seek relationships from the company that they're buying from. So they want to know that the company that they're buying from has kind of similar values to, to themselves and it kind of aligns with the things that are important to them. And again here, they'll, they'll usually make a kind of slow um, purchase journey, but they'll also be driven by that that emotional standpoint and making sure that that kind of fits with their values. So those are the four. And as I say, there are different situations and contexts where you need slightly different audiences or they're slightly more tailored. But generally speaking, um, everyone kind of will fall into one of these four buckets and will tend to make most of their purchases in this way. That's interesting. So that, that those four buckets make total sense and they resonate really well with me. There's two questions that jump out for me off the back of that. that I'd love to chat through with you. Yeah. One of those is, um, can somebody fall into more than one bucket at a time? Now, the reason I ask that is because um, I'm thinking back to some purchase experiences I've gone through myself in the past. Um, yeah, I have, you know, when I've worked at some, some very big companies, had to go through some large, complex um, uh, acquisitions of, uh, of products from various suppliers. Um, now those need to be very logical, methodical, detail-focused, slow processes. They, they need to be because if you're spending a significant amount of money changing a large organization, you need to do that very methodically. You cannot do that impulsively or rush through it. But at the same time, you do want to find a human connection with the, the people you're talking to. You do want to get to know that business and make sure that their values resonate with yours. You do want to get on with those people because you're going to be working with them throughout the sales process and then mm -hmm. service onwards as well. So kind of, I'm, I'm thinking of a specific project in my mind. There's one where certainly it fell into sort of those, those last two buckets at the same time in, in my mind. Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And that's the nature of 
humans it's kind of the sad reality of it is that we can we can framework and we can plan based on kind of typical human behavior but the nature of humans is that they're not typical a lot of the time and what you'll find is that kind of two things happen within that so you'll find that people switch between so for example i would describe myself as falling into the spontaneous bucket i typically typically make quite quick emotional decisions but that tends to be with things that are kind of smaller more frivolous things that aren't as much of a commitment to purchase however if i was making a bigger purchase then i tend to then flip into one of the other ones, depending on what the purchase is, because it's something that's different um, and it's something that actually other things are important to me during that journey. Yeah, and you'll find that what really happens is people do that between. Um, yeah. So even if it's one purchase, they'll flick between um, because actually certain elements will resonate differently. Um, but that's why all of the dominant values that underpin the four are either kind of emotional, logical, fast or slow, yeah. because ultimately across the decision space, it's going to be within those four that that things happen. That's interesting because that, that was effectively going to be my second question was, was you know, is it that, um, that someone falls into one of those buckets or is it that the, the, the moment is, is the bucket really rather than the person um, in that you're exactly that, right? I mean, I certainly have um, yeah, impulsive purchases versus very considered purchases. Like if I'm if I'm going to go away on a holiday with my whole family, that'd be quite a considered slow purchase. So I want to make sure everything's there for the kids, and you know we're going to have a good time, and the costs are right, and the you know, the, the accommodations are well reviewed, and you know, I want to go through all the processes. If I want to go and buy an LP, I'll be like, I want that LP. I'll buy it. Well, is it cheap? Yeah. Okay, great. Happy days, right? So you know, so it's much much more impulsive um, purchase. So people can. So those buckets are great, but people can be going through multiple buckets in one purchase, or they can flick between different buckets ultimately. And I, and I guess therefore, for your marketer, it's important to understand where your where your product might sit. Um, is your product likely to be more of an impulsive buyer or a considered buyer? And therefore, which bucket are your um, your audience likely to fit into? And therefore, how can we construct messaging around that? Is that fair to think that way? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's always it's always that flip side as well. So although we've got this human behavior and it's it's difficult because when I when I start to talk about human behavior and behavioral science, then it's often almost like referred to as this like silver bullet of, well, if you understand the human, then it's really easy. But actually, the nature of it is that you can think you understand the human. And then as they go through the journey, they change and their motivations are different. So there's always that other side of it, which is the product or the service that you're offering, because actually that takes up half of half of the conversation and half of the journey. So it's really important to make sure that you're also like in the same way that you would profile your audience, that you're profiling your product and service to make sure that you've got that full understanding, you know how people interact at each stage and then using that to inform the conversation that you have. Yeah, that's right. I think that's that's a great point. And a lot of conversations I've had over the years around uh, around exactly this and the fact that you, know, you can segment an audience to understand sort of general behaviors and therefore what um, you know, what you might do with pricing or positioning or, or, or advertising or any number of areas of, of marketing. But ultimately that, that segment, that group of people is full of a lot of individuals who are going to behave very differently to each other in, in, you know, in different days, differently to themselves on different days yeah. as well. And that's where sort of personalization needs to come in. 
Um, personalization, of course, now has a lot more challenges than it did five years ago because of cookie policy changes and bits mm -hmm. and pieces like that. So, um, so yeah, and then, then we start talking about AI and we go down a whole rabbit hole about how that impacts it. So we won't do that right now. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it is really important to understand the sort of multifaceted side of that. Um, and the fact that you know, people are individuals and they will move around and therefore you need to understand your business, your brand, your products and how you might then appeal um, to those buckets. So so that, that's great. That's a really good sort of baseline starter for, uh, for psychology um, of, of marketing. That's really, really helpful. If we go specifically into advertising, mm -hmm. if we think about those pieces, there's, you know, there's a couple of elements in, um, in sort of the front end side of advertising around creative and copy um, that you know, are, always need to be tested, always need to be evolved. And, and that's something that, um, that can be challenging to work out, starting from a blank piece of paper. Do, do you have some views on um, on what, what good creative looks like, what good copy, I mean, I don't mean to say, you know, it needs to be blue or something like that, but you know, what, what, what good creative and copy is in, in advertising? Like, how can you make sure you give yourself your best start when you're thinking about your, your advertising creative? Yeah, I think a big element of that is testing, as you've mentioned. Um, so actually testing as much as you can. So not only kind of putting something live, letting it run for a bit and then swapping it out, but also running multiple messages against each other at the same time. I think from a kind of starting point, though, if you're looking at kind of what you want to include in, in your creative or in your copy, it's about really understanding the people that you're trying to talk to and also getting the reason. So there's a lot of times where people think there's a reason why they're doing something. And actually the real reason is different. And the challenge is that if you speak to people about this, then they'll give you that kind of, the, the one that they think is the real reason, but might not necessarily be the crux of the issue. And so you need to learn as much as you can about the people who you're trying to talk to. So kind of what are their drivers? What are their motivations? Why are they looking for something? What are their pain points? Where are they spending time online? All of that sort of stuff. And that means that you can start to build a profile of who that person is. And from that point, you can then figure out the best way to speak to them based on the things that are important to them. So if you know that they're someone who's very price sensitive um, or kind of are really focused on that pricing element, then you're going to want to call out the pricing within your creative or your copy. If you know it's someone who's really focused on building a relationship, then you're going to want to kind of have multiple touch points and build up that relationship and those kind of introductions almost to the brand and the product and the service within your creative as it tears up. And then you want to look kind of across the journey. So what can be really good to do is you can create a bit of a customer journey path where you can essentially map out all of the kind of psychographic, demographic, um, and also kind of motivations, drivers, pain points on one side of the column. And then on the other side of the column, look at the customer journey. So if you want to use a kind of traditional funnel of awareness, consideration, conversion, for example, and then you can essentially start to start to say at each level of the consumer journey, what's important to people 
at that stage and you can get that from doing focus groups from speaking to staff who are customer facing and um, from speaking to your customers that sort of thing and based on that as you start to map out what those kind of personas look like it then makes it a really easy way for you to look at okay what does that content need to be what does that call to action need to be what's really going to resonate with these people and think about it from from i don't want to say like a human perspective but it can be really easy as marketers to always have your marketer hat on and think like this is the this is the product we need to push this is the call to action we need to use when actually think about it from the other perspective so if you were the person being marketed to how would you want to be spoke to what sort of messaging would resonate with you because that again can be a really good way for you to then think of it from a perspective that you wouldn't have considered yeah i think that's i think it's a good point i'm going to throw a little warning sign in there as well i i, I completely agree with that i think it's really good to think that if i was the consumer if i was buying get take the marketing hat off take the professional hat off what would i think I would just throw in there, be careful not to do that um, and impose your values um, if you're very different to the consumer you're appealing to. Now, I've had a lot, of, a lot of experience in my career of, um, of working with people who are, are saying, well, I like this and I want to do mm -hmm. it that way. And they are, they are almost the opposite of, of who the, the actual target audience is. Uh, and sometimes those people will be the decision maker and they'll force a campaign into a direction that you know, they really like and has absolutely no resonance with the people you're appealing to. So, so I think it is great to take the marketing hats off. Just be aware of, of, of unconscious bias if you can and anything like that that might, you know, and be th think about who you are, right? If, if, you're, yeah. if you're a very, very wealthy, very successful person with a lot of money and you're trying to sell like discount codes to people, you, know, you may find, for example, that there is no, there's no relevance to you. you don't, that's not an area you know anything about or whatever operate within and therefore you know, it, it won't resonate. So just, just consider, I think it's important to look in, inwards at yourself and consider that, that aspect as well. Throw that in there. Yeah, 100%. And that's also where the data comes in so everything that you want to do from if you're kind of pulling behavioral insights is to find something that backs that up yeah. a lot of the time when you're looking at kind of human kind of typical human patterns it will be common sense a lot of the time but the risk that you have with making those kind of common sense decisions is that actually it might might not be the case you might think it's a common sense decision but yeah. it doesn't mean that it is and that's where that kind of research piece comes in yeah. of actually looking at looking at the demographic data looking at survey data looking at where people are spending their time and having the information to back that up yeah, because then ultimately ultimately not only then is it you know it's something that makes sense to you but it also is backed up by by data and evidence and that shows that that is how people behave. 100% right. I think, I think if you can back it with multiple sources, that's something I always like to do. Try, try not to rely on one source, especially if that one source is just your idea. Try not to mm. rely on that. It's great to have ideas, definitely, and always put those and test them and absolutely test them. If there's no, they're no, if we don't know the answer, go and test it, definitely, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, but, um, uh, but, but, yeah, be, be careful of that and try and have multiple sources. And, and I would say just on that unconscious bias point, just to sort of expand on that a little bit, I would add that, um, we have to be um, very aware that people often don't know themselves either, or at mm -hmm. least don't want to know themselves sometimes. Um, so you might have a behavior that you don't want to tell people that you have and you're aware of it. You might have a behavior you're not aware of or a value you're not aware of. And actually you may operate a certain way whilst thinking you operate a different way. So if you ask someone a question in a survey, are you this or that? They may answer A when they're actually B. 
Um, and, and so you, you've got to therefore have multiple um, elements of backing this up. And I've done, I've done a number of different um, projects in, in my career where you do ask people a question about how they would behave and then you do monitor their behavior, you know, usability effectively. So what would you do? And then let's monitor what you actually do. And they're, they're quite often very, very different because mm -hmm. um, people don't know themselves. So I would say having multiple sources to back up what you think is the truth um, and to continuously test and challenge yourself as well. Yeah, uh, a really, really, really key point. Um, yeah, good. Okay, look, this is a great debate. So we could talk about this all day long. Right? <laughs> um, I love this stuff. Um, so, um, so look, one key thing within advertising is is finding intent, right? If we can find people mm -hmm. who've got an intent to to purchase, then great, we're we're much more likely to convert them, right? So if, you know, if we do Google Ads, for example, we're looking for those keywords that we think are driving. Uh, intent to purchase rather than just general sort of research stages. Um, you know, with, with B2B advertising, you're finding that intent is, is so critical because you know, it may well be that there's a uh, there's a, one opportunity every three years for your, your product because of their purchase cycles or something like that. You need to you need to be there and finding that intent point. So you know, if we're looking at intent, how do we use this sort of psychological approach to to, to match to intent? Yeah. So from an intent perspective, it, it somewhat makes it a little bit easier because as, as you mentioned, right, humans don't don't always know what they want or what they think and what they say isn't always what what they want. But actually, from an intent perspective, particularly within PPC, if someone's making an active search in Google, then actually it makes your job a little bit easier because you've you've already got almost like half of the story. Yeah. So rather than you needing to to learn more about them, you already know half of what they're looking for. And so then you can just layer that with some with some kind of additional insights. So I think the thing when you know the intent is to start using kind of nudges. So to start using little tweaks in wording so that you can nudge them towards the action that you want them to take. And that comes from what the intent is showing. So if the intents are very kind of final stage, they know exactly what they want, then essentially all you need to do at that point is just get them to where they need to be as quickly as possible. So kind of no frills, no faff, um, just pushing them through to where they need to go. But actually, if someone's kind of searching for something that is like a comparison term, so they're looking for um, kind of differences between options or they're looking for reviews or something like that. So they're looking for some evidence to kind of bolster their decision. Then again, you want to play on those elements so you can leverage things like social proof from a kind of review perspective. Um, and then you want to follow that conversation all the way through. So if the ad that they see has kind of got this social proof messaging, then you want to push them through to a page on the site that where that follows through, you might have testimonials, you might have more information on that, um, and then links for them to kind of go further onto the website. But as long as you're kind of matching that up from the beginning, so that you kind of you've got that initial thing that they're looking for, you've matched that to the ad copy, and then you've matched that through to the website, then it should provide a really nice and consistent experience for them, which means that then hopefully they should do what you want them to do <laughs> within that. That's great. Look, that's really good advice. I'm trying to match the, the intent to the, the, the journey effectively. Um, and I think it is important. I've banged on about this a lot over the last 10, 15 years, maybe even longer, um, that um, you're matching that journey all the way through is really critical. So you know what what someone is searching for, or what they're what they're doing at the beginning of that journey, 
to what you then show to them to where you then bring them through to needs to be consistent right so you know if you're if, if um I, i've used this example way too many times but if someone's searching for red socks you need to show them an advert on google ads about red socks and land them on a page about red socks right you don't show them an advert about socks and then land them on your clothes page and then make hopefully they'll find their way to red socks so you know, you've got to take them all the way through a consistent check mm -hmm. that matches where they are because every, everything you don't do that, that doesn't directly match where they are is a frustration and an opportunity for them to come out of the journey and, and disappear and go somewhere else quite quite rightly so um so i think that that matching though of, of intent and you know, is this a um is this a, as you say a comparison or a review type of search and therefore how do we take them down that journey from review to purchase versus is if is this a i want to buy this now it's like intent-based search and therefore just convert them just take every bit of friction out of the way and just get them converted mm -hmm. um i think that is something that doesn't always get um uh, enough attention actually so i think that's a really valid point and anyone working um, on optimizing a campaign at the moment i'd say have a look at that and see if you are set up that way if not um, give it a test um yeah look sarah i could talk to you um i think for a hundred hours about this quite <laughs> easily um i nearly wrote a book on the psychology of marketing a few years ago but didn't have time in the end maybe i'll do maybe maybe we can talk about that but uh, yeah got too many books lined up at the moment so not right now but maybe another day um but uh, that's been a really great conversation yeah I'm, I'm sure um everyone listening has got some some great tips and some great value with that in a number of different areas um, so sarah thank you so much that's been brilliant really really valuable stuff um, and thank you everybody for listening. Don't forget to, to like if you've enjoyed it and to subscribe for all sorts of future things on marketing to uh, the For the Love of Marketing podcast. And we'll see you next time. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm.